So we're in this series called Birds of a Feather, and uh, had a great week last week. If you didn't see the kickoff of it, I'm going to be kind of talking about or referencing a lot of week one through the, the next few weeks. And so if you can jump on our SoundCloud and maybe listen to that first week, it would be helpful to you. I'll review a little bit, but I just don't want to spend a lot of time reviewing. But uh, we're in this series called Birds of a Feather. The idea is that the saying goes, birds of a feather flock together. And so the whole thing is uh, a lot of, that's just kind of how life works. Uh, you know, there's certain groups over here and over here, and uh, we just have, we find a way of sort of flocking together. And uh, we talked about last week, and I'll show you a little bit there. There's biblical principle in that. There's power in that. God knows that when he created us, he created us to, uh, to, to be in unity. We know that the scripture, the first thing God said in the scripture that wasn't good, he said, trees good, water good, all these things were good. And then he saw that Adam was alone. He said, well, that's not good. And of course, then he created Eve and then they had more family And because we were created to be together and to be with others and, and not to be by ourselves. And so there's, there's power in, in being in a flock, if you will. And so you can look at it a lot of different ways. Of course, your friendship circles, but then your church circles and, and uh, you know, your jobs and all this different stuff. We're involved in all these different kinds of flocks. And so I think since we spend so much of our life in flocks or hanging with others or, or being influenced by outside relationships, I think it's important that we understand how God says we should operate in those. Amen? So Ecclesiastes 4.9 says this, a pretty famous scripture. It says, two are better than one. If one falls down, his friends can pick him up. Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. And so it's saying, obviously, uh, in your life, if, you, if you're connected and you have a flock that you fly with, essentially, it's important because they're there to help you. They're there to help defend you. They're there to help hold you accountable. They're there to help just support you. And, uh, and so that's one healthy reason. 2 Corinthians 6.14 says, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what does righteousness and wickedness have in common? What fellowship can light have with darkness? There's been a lot of pastors that have twisted this and said, don't hang out with sinners. You should never be seen in a bar and da-da-da. And you, what does light and darkness have? And you should. But then we have Jesus who was hanging out with tax collectors and always having the sinners over to his house. And so it was really contradictory. Like, what does this really mean? And the idea behind this scripture is this. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what does righteousness and wickedness have in common? What fellowship can light and darkness have? What it was saying is this. Don't be a person who says, I want to be about the things of God. I want to pursue God. I want to be about kingdom principles. But then you spend more time or just as much time living the way that the world does. So your thought patterns, the way that you live, all these things operate in darkness, but then you also say you want light. It doesn't make any sense. You can't have those things merged together. So it's not saying like, hey, you know, and so I'll explain the yoke thing here in a minute, but it's just saying, hey, like you have to understand that some of those things don't go together. You have to be about what you say you're about. Right. And so it's like, okay, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a marathon swimmer. What are those called? Like, it's not a marathon. They don't swim a marathon, right? I don't know. Anyway. I'm going to be a long distance swimmer. I'm going to swim so far. And, and, so, and so I have this idea. I'm going to be a swimmer. I'm going to swim across the lake or whatever they do. I'm going to be a swimmer. And the way that I'm going to train for that is I'm going I'm to ride bikes. I'm going to only be a cyclist. Well, that doesn't make sense. You're not being about what you say and you're being about. And, and so a lot of us are that way. It's like uh, kingdom principles. I want to be about this. But you don't really take any steps to actually walk in. So it doesn't make sense that righteousness and wickedness are, and another way that we explained it is it's talking about at the core. 
I, I use the example of an apple, like on the outside of an apple is the skin. It's okay for us to, to, to be around and have acquaintance and acquaintance with the unbelievers. It's okay for us to connect and reach out and love. And then even on the inside, past the skin, you know, you got some of the substance there and it's okay even there, but at the core where the things grow, where the seeds are, where who you are manifests, that part can't have a strong connection to people who don't share the same values as you. You can't relate. You can't say, hey, uh, we don't share the same values. You, you know, you, you aren't about kingdom principles, but I'm going to let you be at my core and help me be. That doesn't line up. Amen. And so the, the yoked thing here, we showed a picture last week of they literally, would, they would take oxen and they would put this bar across them and they would yoke them together. And that was called the yoke because when they were unified like that, they could do more. There was strength in their unity. They had more power or they had more push than what they had when they were individual. And so it was saying, hey, don't, don't get yoked up. Don't get caught in. Don't get tied in with somebody who doesn't share the same values with you because that's going to hurt you. It's going to be hard to get out of that. You're going to be bound. And we found out later about the oxen at the end of their lives if they came together in the beginning with a certain type of step pattern or how they walked or their habits, by the time they spent years on the field together, their step patterns became the same and their eating habits and all of that. They literally became about each other. That's why marriage is so important. Somebody say amen. Because when you spend time yoked and together, uh, you, you just really grow together. And so it's important. That's what it's saying. Hey, be careful who you yoke up with because over time, you're going to become that. There's no such thing as saying, hey, I'm going to spend a, a ton of time and I'm going to get yoked up over here with this, but I'm not going to let it affect me. No, it's going to affect you. Those thought patterns will become your thought patterns. Amen. Then we talked about the geese and how the geese, Canadian geese, they fly together and they get in this V and they can do 70% more when they fly together in a V. And then when the one in the front gets tired, it drops to the back. And when it gets to the back, uh, it's able to find rest. But if it drops out, it gets more tired because it uses 70% more of its energy. And what the coolest thing is, and you've all heard it when they're flying, they're cheering each other on. You hear them just honking at each other, saying, keep going, keep at it. And so we talked about the scripture in Ephesians that says, don't let any corrupt talk come out of your mouth, but speak what is good and necessary for encouragement that it may impart grace to those who hear it. When we flock and fly together, we need to be like the geese together in unity, helping each other be more efficient. Somebody say amen. We live in a culture that loves to pick and tear down, build up and tear down and build. We need to be like those geese, like helping each other. Are you getting tired? Come to the back. We'll lift you. The drafting air will lift you. And not only are we going to lift you, but we're going to encourage you. And we're going to speak life into you. Amen. And so birds of a feather, that's what we're talking about is there's unity in, in being in right relationship. There's unity in connecting and encouraging. And so uh, today I want to look at this idea. How do you then attract right relationships. We all want to have right relationships. We all want to connect with the right people and, and have that encouraging V, you know, flying if we were talking about that or being yoked with the right people. Well, how do we get that in our lives? How does that happen? What does the scripture say about how to do that? And um, as I put this sermon together and then my computer crashed and then I put it together again, <laughs> um, I had this thought that in my life, uh, of course, I would like, you know, I like to have a nice car and a nice home, and it'd be nice to have all kinds of money and all the things that you want. Yes, that would be nice. But at this stage of my life, the thing that I value the most, and you would probably agree, is what? My friends, my strong relationships in my life, people that come alongside 
and encourage me and speak life. And also those that are honest and correct me. One of the most valuable things. So I, I, I would pass off houses and cars and all the things. At the end of the day, when it all falls apart, because it all falls apart in our lives at times, the best thing are those friends that are standing with you, right? Yeah. Highs or lows. You say, man, you know, all this stuff that I've been through. And you look back on your life. We did a, we did a wedding last night for my sister-in-law uh, up at Double J. And Abby is her name. And uh, she's Jess's younger sister. But she came up through our kids' ministry. So I remember when she would check in when I was doing children's ministry, like uh, this is uh, like 15 years ago. And, uh, and so even at the wedding, you know, it's like you get to the wedding and everybody starts looking back at, oh, I remember the highs and the lows. And who is there? Family, friends, like that's your core. That's what it's all about. That flock that we fly with is what it's all about. And so in my life, that's how I feel. It's like, if I'm going to invest in anything, let's invest in relationships. Let's invest in connections and unity. Amen? The best thing I have is relationships. I spent time this week um, with uh, Pastor Nate Marielke, who's come out here, and uh, a lot of you listen to his music, and he's come and played for us a few times, which uh, he sends his hello to all the vertical friends of his. We have a date on the calendar booked for him to be back. Yeah, yeah. But I can't tell you yet, so... Uh, I know, and um, but man, it was such a great day. We got to go spend time together, and um, I got his, his pastor invited me out to his church uh, just to kind of share some things that we're doing and, and stuff that they would like to do, and just being in a flock together. We were just sharing, and um, anyway, when it was all done, uh, Nate was like, hey, uh, would you mind? He, he's like, if you have some time, would you mind sticking around? I got some Tigers versus Cubs tickets, and I was like, oh, man, let me... <laughs> Let me see. I'll call Jess if I guess I'll go. It's like, well, there's seventh row, third baseline. Would that be okay? It's like, oh, I'll see. And then they got smoked, so tiger fashion. But um, I tried to pray over Justin Verlander. I think it helped a little bit yesterday. He did okay. But so anyway, so we, we flocked together in the church world, and we had all these things in common, and we shared with the staff and, and connected. But then it was really cool because we left there. We went down to the ballpark and we, we grabbed some dinner and we hung out. We watched the game and, uh, man, spoke life into each other and encouraged one another and asked tough questions to each other because that's what it's about. It's about encouragement and, and being there for one another. And so uh, it's important for you to understand the power of relationships in your life. I think it's something that when you grow up, you kind of just fall into categories instead of going, what category do I want to be in? You don't really take inventory of like, hey, who? And I'm not talking about uh, you need to segregate yourself and you need to like, I'm, not, I'm just saying, what values do you want in your life? And how are you going to match up with people that have those values? Amen? And so you, you attract who you are is what I'm getting to. And so it's important for us to understand in our life, if we're going to say, hey, I want people with these values the truth is you attract those values, those kinds of people. I'll explain it here in a minute. We were at the, uh, the Double J Ranch Resort, whatever it is. It's this big western town uh, about an hour away from here, and there's horses and horse poop and flies everywhere, and it's not my thing. And, um, and so we're up there, and it's dirty, and it smells awful, and, uh, and horse people love it. They just, yes, Audrey loves it. <laughs> And they love the smell of sweaty horse leather and just like they're gross people. And, uh, <laughs> and she's laughing because she knows that that's... Anyway, so, 
so it's just, and anyway, but you know what? And so I'm watching all the horse people and they just love being horse people and they have like the horse style clothes that they all wear and they have their flock and it's totally celebrated and that's their thing and it's great. And then also that was going on when we were up there was the 27th annual some type of Harley Davidson motorcycle ride. And uh, I'm not kidding you, there was thousands of motorcycles there. And this whole field up there was all full of these. And, uh, and, and here's the deal. Guess what they did? They flocked together and like they had the same clothes and they all said the same thing. And I was at the gas station uh, with my daughter and uh, we were getting a Slurpee. And if you have a problem with that, my two-year-old having a Slurpee, um, deal with it because <laughs> you can just judge not lest you be judged. <laughs> if a kid can't have a Slurpee, what's wrong with America? <laughs> Hashtag thanks Obama, right? not judging. I'm like, he, that's a joke. Everyone's going to be like, oh, now he and the president. Um, anyway, so Jimmy Fallon had this great joke. I stayed up really late at the thing, so I'm just going to like have fun with you today. Um, Jimmy Fallon had this great joke this week because they thought that the president was smoking. Did you see that picture? And he had the thing that it looked like a pack of cigarettes. Okay. None of you have TV. Okay. <laughs> So the president is in, like, like they were, like, mad because he's, there's this picture of him, and he's standing out there last week, and it looked like he had a pack of cigarettes, and, of course, he said he's quit smoking. And the funny joke about it is they said, he said, oh, no, no, those weren't cigarettes. Those were candy cigarettes, which by then he got in more trouble by Michelle Obama <laughs> because of the health thing and the, so good. I love it. Anyway, so I'm at the gas station getting a Slurpee because I'm a good parent, and I love my kid, and, uh, and I got her a huge one, and we filled it all up. And, uh, and anyway, and so we're there and all the motorcycles are there, you know, they're all flocked together and they know the language and they're standing out there. Oh man, you got the, you got the one with the Hemi. You got the one with, the, I don't know, you know, like <laughs> it's the one with the Hemi. And uh, I didn't even try to say anything like, oh, you got the one with two wheels. Yeah, that's a good one. I like that one. <laughs> um, but anyway. So they're doing their talk and they got their clothes and they're doing it and they're flocking together because that's what we do. And it attracts other. They're parked over here getting gas. And then this guy sees this kind of motor motor motorcycle. And he comes over and talks about, I used to have one. Da, 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 da. And that's just how this world operates. Because you attract who you are and what your values are. You attract. And so the truth, if I'm going to cut right to a truth, is if in your life you're going, man, I feel like all I'm doing is attracting bitter people or people who stab me in the back. or the, We might have to look at ourselves and see what are we displaying? What are we putting on display? Because you attract who you are. And so as you flock together, like those groups just come together. And so if you want to attract qualities of honesty and loyalty and someone who's a listener and patient and somebody who's uplifting, guess what you need to work hard at being? Those things. We all do. We got to work hard at those things because you attract those things. Proverbs 18.24 talks about this. It says, a man that has friends must show himself friendly. Meaning in your life, if you want to attract quality friendships and lasting connections, you got to be somebody who invests in those same type principles. If you want to have that, you need to be that. And uh, it's important for us to look at those. And so I brought three things before we wrap up that are, I think are the most important things that we can be in friendships or in relationships. Uh, you want to know where you're going? Look at your friends that you run with. 
Look at the people that you let really speak into your life and be at your core. Uh, and so three things, and we take these from Jesus. These are three relationship characteristics that Jesus modeled for us that I think if we model these in our life, we'll get the relationships and the connections that we are looking for. Number one, we have to display unselfishness. We live in a generation that all people think about is themselves, I think more than ever. The filter about how we choose to do things oh, I've been invited to this, or somebody's asked me to do this, or there's this thing to do this. And right away, our mind goes, what am I going to get from it? What am I going to gain? How's it going to make me look? Instead of what can I give to it? What can I invest in it? How can I help make it better? How can I help make it succeed? Amen? We got to be a people that are unselfish. If we want people investing in us and connecting with us, we need to live in a way that we give back. I think the problem with culture is on TV... We elevate and we raise to a high level some of the most selfish shows and people that we ever have in all of culture. I'm not here to like really bang on people and make a big deal out of things, but honestly, the things that we put on a platform, when you look at Kardashian and you look at some of those shows and you look at the real housewives of whatever and you look at uh, all of this stuff, even the way we put athletes on pedestals and we talk about them, and we, we make them into all this stuff. And they're very selfish people, right? And our athletes, oh, they give back and they get, come on, all about themselves. And uh, in a lot of these shows that we elevate, and so we have to be careful that we're not starting to flock together in the thinking patterns of what we're seeing on TV. All the different selfish, all the different about me, how I can get more. Uh, I remember when I was a youth pastor, some of the shows uh, was like one was called like 16 and married or something. And it was about hundreds of thousand dollars being spent on birthday parties for these girls. It's crazy the standards uh, that we're putting in front of our kids. And so uh, we have to be careful that we're not saying, hey, my thought patterns and my influence and my flock is being formed by what I see on TV. Amen. We have to live unselfishly. Proverbs 14, 21 talks about it like this. It says that he who despises his neighbor sins. Like if you literally are a person that's like, oh, my neighbor, oh, that person, I can't stand it. Uh, and, and, and we don't think of others unselfishly, you're walking in sin. If you can't be in a way that it's like, hey, I'm, I'm about meeting the needs of others and connecting with others and living unselfishly. The scripture says that you walk in sin. Proverbs 17, 17 says that a friend loves at all times, at all times. Here's what's great about this scripture that gets us off the hook or sets us free a little bit is it says this, that notice the scripture didn't say a friend is happy all the time. You aren't required to be perfect all the time. You aren't required to have all the answers all the time. You're just required to be a person who loves all the time. So someone calls and they're going through this thing and, and maybe you don't got the time or maybe you yourself are stressed or whatever. All you're called to do is just love, love back. You don't have to have the answer. You don't have to have it perfect. You, you just got to be a person who at the end of the day unselfishly loves and gives back into that relationship. And here's the blessing that we're talking about is then those types of people will come back to you. Amen. We all want that to be able to pick up the phone and talk to a friend who you know is going to love you through thick and thin. Amen. Jesus, of course, God even modeled this, the famous John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. It didn't say that God came down and demanded and commanded and God came down and took this and did. he could have done all those things. He was God, but instead he came and he gave, he invested in relationship. He invested relationally 
and it caused all of us to be forgiven and set free. Amen. He made a way for eternity. Amen. Jesus could have been very selfish. He was God. So when you talk about people, well, I have the right to act that way. I have the right. Jesus had all the right because he was God and he still chose to love unselfishly. Amen. He washed feet. He healed sick. He raised the dead. He walked with those that were socially unacceptable. Christ was the example of how we should love and give ourselves unselfishly. Number two trait that you, we should work hard at doing is being a person who's faithful to our friends, faithful to our friends. A lot of times we weigh how we walk in relationship. Again, like I said, based on what's in it for me. Well, I like those people. I'm faithful to them in this little season or in this circle. But man, when they become drama or, oh, they're having another hard time, I just don't got time for them. Ain't nobody got time for that, right? (laughs) No, if you're a faithful friend, you're through them in the highs and lows. You're somebody who's sticking through it. You're somebody who's saying, hey, I'm never going to leave your side. Do you know that the most powerful words that psychiatrists say is when somebody can, can say the most powerful phrase Human psychology, like this, that you can hear is when somebody says, me too. Like, I understand. I get it. I'm with you. You've hit rock bottom. I understand you're going through this hard thing. But you know what? I want to be a faithful friend to you. So I understand. I'm with you. Amen? Abe Lincoln said, my best friend is the one who brings out the best in me. My best friend is the one who brings out the best in me. Uh, I was at, of course, a wedding last night. And uh, you know, the, you know, there's all these wedding parties and families, and so you get to hear all these people's stories, and, uh, you know, you get the buddy, the crazy buddy, the college guy, and he's like, what the thing? And so, and so your best friend is not the one who brings out the party in you. The best friend is not the one who brings out the crazy in you. That's fun, right? Like, oh, he's my guy. He's my buddy. We're going to get crazy. But he's not your best friend. Your best friend is the one who brings out the best in you. Amen. And so we have to live in a way that like, it's easy to be drawn to. Yeah, he's my guy. She's my, brings out the crate. We have fun. Get him a drink. Go do a thing. Like, oh, and we get all excited about this. But that's not your best friend. Your best friend is the one who brings out the best in you. Amen. I thought about this. Proverbs eleven thirteen says that gossip betrays confidence, but a trustworthy man or woman keeps a secret. You say, I don't know about that secret. It's saying it keeps things confidential. And so we're talking about being faithful to somebody. You're very unfaithful to somebody when they confide in you and you go gossip about it. That, that's no good for anybody. And so it's important for you to keep things confidential when people open up their heart to you. Be faithful to people. We love to get up here and talk about oh, drunkenness and all oh, adultery and all that. But gossiping goes in the same category according to scripture. They say, well, you know, did you see that they were doing this? Well, did you see that you're gossiping about it and you're in the same category? It's real easy for us to come to church, hear a sermon, get back out in the car and start talking about people. But you're in just as much sin. Somebody say amen. amen. When we're talking about people, be faithful. Be, be, be uh, covering people. The scripture says that love covers a multitude of sins. Does that mean it hides it? No, it's saying it's keeping it down. It's keeping it from growing and blowing up and becoming more. It's not saying, hey, hide this stuff for people. It's saying, hey, we got to cover this. We got we to gotta control. We got to contain this. Yeah. Amen? Okay. And so be faithful to people. Stick with them. And I understand that there's times in your life where, uh, you know, you'll hear something and you have to, and we're going to talk about it in a minute, you have to speak out in truth. And, and there's times, and we'll literally we'll talk about that. But, but man, in your life, if you can cover people with love, God then can stay in there and operate and do the work. Amen? Gossip 
a hurt from gossip can last longer than most hurts that happen physical. This thing happens and, oh, it's terrible. I've, I've gone through divorce or I've gone through this thing or I've had this, you know, uh, we lost our job, we did this thing. And then in that gossip happens. And sometimes those hurts last longer than the incident that actually happened. We have to guard people with our words, amen? We've all heard this or, or probably seen it floating around on social media. Gossip dies when it hits a wise person's ears. So, hey, you want to walk in wisdom like God's called us to? Be a person who kills gossip. Be a person who shuts those things down. Amen? Lauren, I'll have you come. I'm going to close with this. The third thing. So, so be a person who, who's faithful to your friends. Be faithful to your friends. Be, be unselfish and then be faithful. And then lastly, be a person who's honest. And this is the hardest. And oftentimes it gets us in trouble. But be a person who's honest. Like I said, some of my closest friends in life are people that can, can speak into my life, that can tell me the truth, that can hold me accountable. Uh, those are your best friends. Why? Because here's the deal. True love at the deepest form tells the truth. At the deepest level of love, it's a person who can tell the truth to you. And you say, oh, I, don't, I don't know about that. I don't. Here's the deal. For me, you know, and, and, and I've had people being a youth pastor, I've had parents, I don't, I don't want to hold my teenager accountable. I don't want to hold them to truth because they might run. I might lose them. I, might, I get it that it's hard. They might be mad at me. They might not. You're not, you're not called to be their friend. <laughs> you're called to be their parent. And you're called at the deepest level of love to tell the truth to them, to share the truth with them, to hold them accountable to God's truth. Proverbs 27, 6 says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of the enemy are deceitful. The wounds of truth, the accountability measures of, hey, I'm faithful to you, and, and I'm going to come, and I'm going to tell you the truth, and it may hurt. It may hurt right now, but it's the truth. And that's hard for us to walk in because a lot of times before we go to tell the truth, we need, to, we need to line it up with the word and we need, to, we need to, because a lot of times we go in with our own agenda. I need to tell you the truth. And it's really something that maybe we're off in that we just want to hear things and say things our way and do it. So you got to be careful in how you walk in it. But faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of the enemy are deceitful. What's the worst thing you can do? Is walk around and kiss. Yeah, you're doing good. You're doing good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That crazy way that you're living is awesome. Way to go. Yeah, like you should do that. That's crazy. No, that, that, that's a kiss of the enemy. It's very deceitful. And at the end of the day, it hurts even worse than the truth in the beginning. It's like this. If you were all in a house and I was walking down the road and you're in your house and you're waving out the window, hey, but I see that your house is on fire. And so you're, hey, man. And I'm like, hey, you're about to burn down. Your house is on fire. And I said, hey, oh my gosh, his house is on fire. But I don't want to tell him to get out of there. He's having a good time. Look, he's really waving and I don't want to. So, and I just keep on going and he burns in his house. Why didn't he tell me my house was on fire? Well, I didn't want to ruin your time. I didn't want to. It's deceitful kiss of the enemy. People need to hear the truth. The most loving thing you can do is come in and say like, hey, your life is on fire. Don't do it in a, your life is on fire. Do it in, hey, your life is on fire, but I believe in you. There's a better way. You can do better. You can be, you know, hey, I believe in you that you can get the fire extinguisher and handle that. You can be okay. 
So we have to tell the truth. Obviously, a lot of us have heard Martin Luther King Jr. say, in the end, we will remember not the words of our enemies, but the silence of our friends. Isn't that the worst at the end of it all? When no one stood up and said anything, nobody was there, no one picked up the phone and called you and, and, and spoke into your life. That's the worst. The enemy stuff, we know people are gonna talk and nitpick, but, but we want somebody there to have our back and speak into us. And again, the blessing in all of this is that you then receive people like that into your life who will be honest with you and truthful with you and make you the best you, amen? Why don't you stand to your feet? If you would all bow your heads and close your eyes, I wanna offer a prayer invitation. At the end of every service, we like to give you the opportunity to do what we call the sinner's prayer or the prayer of salvation. And basically what it states is you're someone who's been living and you say, man, maybe I haven't been following the, the ways of God or I'm not a Christian, but maybe you heard some things in scripture or you felt something in worship or, or something like that. You just know God's kind of tugging on your heart. You're in here and you say, I want to make a decision to, to start walking in right relationship with God. If you're talking about flocking together, I think God is a great person to flock with and follow. Jesus' ways is a great way to, to live. And so if you're in here, the scripture says that all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The scripture also says that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God re raised Jesus from the dead, that you're on your way to heaven. Your sins are forgiven. You've become a Christian. And so if you're in here, I won't call you out of your seat. I won't have you come forward or embarrass you, anything like that. I'm just gonna have you raise your hand when I count to three and we'll all pray together what I was talking about, the sinner's prayer or the prayer of salvation. So uh, something that may be simple, but if your heart is connected to it and that's a desire of your heart, it's eternal. Maybe simple, but it's eternal. It's forever. And God meets you where you're at. So with nobody looking around, if you're in here and you say, hey, Pastor Josh, include me in that prayer when we all pray it together. If that's you, if you would raise your hand on three. One, two, three. Anybody in here want to get in on that? Okay, see that hand right on. Anybody else? Cool. All right. Let's pray this prayer out. And then I got one more prayer before we leave. So those of you that raised your hand and the rest of you too, let's, uh, let's all pray this together. Say, God, today I choose you to be my Lord and Savior. Forgive me of my sins. Help me to walk with you. In Jesus' name, amen.